We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Our presenting sponsor is BetUS, which is a place for you to bet with the NBA playoffs here. At BetUS, they have great payouts, the industry's biggest bonuses, and every bet type you could dream of. You can join BetUS now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. Get 125% sign-up bonus by using the promo code DANE125. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. Britt Robson is again my guest today on today's show. Britt and I are going to dive more so into the NBA playoffs today. If you're looking for a Timberwolves-specific um, conversation by Britt and I on Tuesday, we we really went into the Timberwolves offseason and what it looks like now that we know that they don't have the pick. But for today's show, Britt and I, again, NBA playoffs, we talk a lot of bucks, lots of Chris Paul and the Suns, and then Britt is just Britt's really into the Atlanta Hawks. So we dive into them uh, a few times as well. Happy 4th of July. Enjoy your weekend safely. Let's bring in Britt. All right, Britt Robson of The Athletic, my guest. Again, um, we are recording this on Friday morning. So in the context of your 4th of July weekend, obviously the Phoenix Suns have already advanced the NBA Finals. It is now 3-2 to two in Bucks-Hawks. I want to get ahead to a Bucks Suns NBA Finals. <laughs> Britt doesn't. Uh, where, where I mean, I just just going off of last night's game. Where where are you at in your head on uh, on Bucks Hawks right now? Well, obviously the Bucks performance last night was dominant. Um, Brooke Lopez, my God, four- 33 and seven. 33 and seven. Well, not only that, but fourteen for sixteen inside yep. three point territory. I mean, he's mm-hmm. not a a three and five guy anymore. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, three and five <laughs> and also his, um, you know, I think that Trey Young's absence obviously makes him so much more dominant on defense because they don't have those high pick and roll switches. Uh, mm. and so, you know, I just think in general, a Hawks team without Trey Young and without Giannis really sets up well for Brooke Lopez. You know, I mean, it's sure. only one game evidence, but clearly Lopez, before he reinvented himself as a spot-up three-point shooter in the Bucks' offense, just to keep clearing the lane for Giannis, 
um, was a good adjustment. And, that you know, they signed him for a song. He's still only making like $13 million a year. Um, but he showed it really is a, uh, a really effective counter. I mean, the Hawks, obviously, they answered no Trey Young with a really great game from Lou Williams in game four. Um, and then the Bucks answered no Giannis with a really great game from Brooke Lopez. <laughs> and Bobby Portis. And Bobby Portis. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy about Bobby Portis is uh, he kind of rendered – I've, I've never seen uh, P.J. Tucker disappear in a Milwaukee uniform as much as he did last night. <laughs> you know, between Portis and Lopez, there wasn't a lot for him to do. Um, and so, you know, I just think it's it's a – it is cool. I mean, in its own way, it's not because the best players are not playing because they're hurt. But it's really cool to see how existing talent adjusts with so much at stake who rises, who falls, and why. You know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Lou Williams and Brooke Lopez are both, you know, veterans of multiple teams and multiple roles uh, stepping up and fulfilling the role that's exactly needed of them. Um, you know. It reminds me It reminds me of baseball <laughs> once you get so far into extra innings that you've run out of pitchers <laughs> in your bullpen. I, like, when I was a kid, I always loved that. I wanted to see the... Sammy Sosa come in and throw some pitches in the right. 16th inning. Um, I mean, it's it's not all the way there, of course, but it it is uh, it is really it's not scraping the bottom of the barrel. But the, this is different. This is this is nothing. I mean, you've covered the NBA a lot longer than I have. I I don't I don't remember anything being like this. And I don't I don't mean that to like get into the whole asterisk sort of conversation with it. It's just it's just different. And and really, right. I think it's it's different in a relatively even way. Right. Obviously, I mean, Trey Giannis, right? That that kind of balances itself out there. We've seen Kawhi Leonard go down, Anthony Davis go down. I mean, pretty much every team, I think actually every team has had a substantial injury to one of their best players. <laughs> and a lot of the teams have had an injury to like their fifth best player, like DiVincenzo in this right. And, right. and Hunter for, exactly. for Atlanta. Plus, I mean, I, let, me, let me address the asterisk thing because it's mm -hmm. bullshit. Yeah. Um, okay, good. I was, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like these same clowns that want to say, uh, a team with, uh, Durant, you know, Kyrie and, you know, uh, Harden, nobody's going to beat them or, Hey, all the, <laughs> I feel like they're coming at me right now. <laughs> well, I just mean in general, people who just automatically assume they take the top th two or three guys on the roster and they say, right. these guys are going to win. No question about it. LeBron and AD or whatever. Um, basketball is a team game. And if you decide to put your eggs in the basket of stars and have a top-heavy roster, the risk of that strategy is those top guys go down and you're screwed. That's basketball. You know, right. and so I mean, you and I have been talking about this for a while now. And and, you know, is what you would always say was, you know, you're Dane, you're betting on the talent. You're betting on the, the high end talent to this and that. And I looked smart, you know, last year right. doing that with the Lakers. And and so in, you know, in all honesty, I've been thinking about that. Like, was my quote unquote analysis wrong on this whole Brooklyn thing? Right. Mm -hmm. And and part of it you do have to factor in 
is even in a normal year, how much does your team drop if it loses one of its top talent guys? Right. Right. And that and that goes to your that goes to your your talent point or, or your team point. Right. Of, of all of it, and I, I think to, to defend my Nets thing a little bit, and I said this to you at the time, I was like, I still think they might be all right, right? If if even just one of them goes down, you know, now you knock out two of them, and right, exactly. You know, but and I can't, Mike James is playing. <laughs> well, well, what is interesting to me is that um, everybody kind of gets what they want because the people who want super teams don't really want winning; they want super performances. They want dominance. Well, they had the KD game, you know, yeah. the, the KD game will live on. It cemented. It made me look really foolish for questioning the fact that he was a top five guy. Most people would say even that's kind of dissing him. Uh, probably most people would regard him as a top two or a top three guy. However you want to put it, he rose up to a challenge. He answered a part of his legacy that had not been answered no, he couldn't finish it off because uh, the team is not constructed in a way to have him finish it off. And quite frankly, Joe Harris really choked in those playoffs. And that, re that really, really hurt them. Um, but that said, people want super teams so they can revel in super performances. And KD gave people a performance for the ages. Uh, in some respects, for some group of fans, and even – for pockets of fandom in terms of how you look at basketball. I love the fact that we, we got to watch that Durant game and can say to ourselves now that that guy's a great player with everything on the line. He came up and came up huge. Um, so to that aspect of superstars needing to play like superstars uh, or being built to win and legacies and all this other stuff, um, then people get what they want there. Um, but the great thing about the NBA, the thing I've always loved, it is so dynamic. Things change not only from game to game now, but from season to season. You know, this will be the second time in a row that two teams that didn't make the playoffs will be meeting in the finals if Atlanta gets there. Now, they probably won't. But last year with Miami and the Lakers, I tweeted out that if the Hawks got there, it would be like I the first it. time in my lifetime. Somebody said, uh, last year? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just I forgot that a team with LeBron didn't make the playoffs the year before. Right. But, but the point is, is that things change dynamically now. Some of it is the super team idea of friends wanting to get together. And some of it is the changing dynamics of the game, analytics has hastened the speed of innovation so that um, somebody comes up with an innovative way to do something and analytics are there to counteract that innovation with a new innovation. And so personnel that was once thought valuable three years ago is less valuable because an innovation in the game that predominates now is taken out. I mean, or has to do the Brooke Lopez. And completely changed that. Exactly, game. exactly. It's kind of like, you know, in the days, uh, I remember when the, you know, now I'm going to really, this is an old guy alert, but uh, Winston in, Garland? In, in college football, when the option came in, on option quarterbacks, you know, in the 70s, uh, totally revolutionized the game. 
No, none of those guys ever got to be pros because they were option quarterbacks. <laughs> but it was a fascinating, all of a sudden, you know, that was the way to play. And so you see a little of that with the, you know, the space and pace. And now you, you know, you see it with a variety of other things. But I think that what is cool about that is that you have a lot of really good teams, not great teams. There isn't a great team in the NBA this year. Um, but you have a lot of really good teams that have had to be resourceful to negotiate their way through this stuff. And um, just to see who's going to be remaining at the end of it is fascinating. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, think about you talk, talking about the whole super team thing and, and, and all those that that's totally permeated the league here for a long time. And I mean, I don't know how you want to classify super team, but the idea of, you know, players choosing a place to go and pairing up with, you know, kind of like even even Phoenix with Chris Paul is this right. pairing up with a team, like choosing a place to go. Kawhi kind of even that with Toronto. And then obviously all the LeBron teams, the Warriors teams there for a while. The Bucks are kind of the antithesis of that in a way. I guess, you know, they went and traded for Drew Holiday, but they seem to be much more of the traditional team building mold mm -hmm. and traditional basketball sort of molded it's funny that I, all of that seems to be ripped on in a, in a lot of ways from bud to Giannis to right middle you know just all right. like they're like oh is middleton Giannis and middle or middleton Giannis and holiday are they even like a big three whatever whatever right. but you know here they are right, right? and right. obviously we can later get into their actual odds of winning this but i they're obviously as we sit here friday the odds on favorite to win the eastern conference right and and that's a that's a testament, um, you know, in and of itself. And and to your the dynamic point is like, it's so it is so cool. I think as an NBA fan, that we can have thought that the Nets were the were the team that was most likely or the Lakers. Right. Yet here we are with a completely different team likely to win the different style of team right, to win right. the East and the Bucks, and then the Suns. Like, I mean, particularly for so many of our listeners who, who come from following a middle, small market, bad team, like, right. it's so life-giving, right? right? And even Atlanta, too, is, right. you know, fits that. So so for all the, I'm not calling it an asterisk, but for whatever looms over this, also on the other side of that darkness is, like, is some light that is, right. uh, I think, really, really encouraging for this. The one thing I did want to say, we, we kind of jumped from the Bucks, but this Middleton Holiday and Giannis three, as much as I'm giving them like their flowers here, they haven't been very good. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, and and so part of me like struggles with wanting to award them even a conference finals or or potentially even a championship because I like the idea of the way they're constructed. And, and what they represent, but I would like it a lot better if Middleton Holiday. I mean, Giannis is playing well, but you know, there's been some flies in it too. Like, get this. So, during the regular season, Middleton 59% true shooting, right? Holiday 59% true shooting, Giannis 63% true shooting, right? And so, for our listeners who might not know, like 57 and a half is like right. Average, if you're over right? 60, you're really shooting well. Really shooting well. Yet in the playoffs, Middleton fifty-four, uh-huh, holiday forty-nine. Right. 
Giannis 57. All three below average shooting numbers. Right. Holiday greatly, right. you know, below average. And so do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying? It's like, man, I would love to be in support of the Bucks team. Right. <laughs> and, and what they're doing. I just don't feel like they played that well through the playoffs. See, and I think you have to look at the idea that, again, this is a team. You're looking at the three guys and you're saying this is what's happening. Um, I don't know what the numbers are, and it's very, very hard to put offensive and defensive ratings because it's so much individual series. And so, you know, if you're playing a Brooklyn Nets team, how what is your defensive rating going to be? You know I mean? It's like, so there are these kind of weird things. But I would argue that the Bucks defense has been extremely good this year. I mean, in the playoffs and uh, they played again last night. Yeah. And, and some of that is Atlanta was always going to be a really interesting matchup for them because the Bucks style, let's face it is to seal everything off at the three point line. And Atlanta style is to chuck from three points. They got a bunch of guys who can shoot from outside. And so, Oh, and, and the Trey floater range thing. Yeah. Too. Well that, yeah, that, um, I mean, that was an interesting monkey wrench in the whole thing, but it traditionally for the last, say the two and a half, three years that Bud's been there, that it has established kind of a system. Their system is protect the paint, grant the open three on occasion. Now drew changes that a little because he's so large and quick on the perimeter. Um, but I would argue that's still kind of their strategy. And I do think that Bogdanovich's injury woes in the early part of this series hurt Atlanta quite a bit because, you know, he was finally great last night, but he has not been himself um, and Trey out, obviously. But mm-hmm. I do think that, uh, you know, Kevin Herter has to be hot. It is, it's, it's the same thing over and over again. If you're a three-point shooting team, it is a make-or-miss league. Houston Rockets should have beaten the Warriors were it not for just a historic clanking in the fourth right. quarter. And that's kind of what happens. But I, I, I went over some things. I, ha- I don't know what the playoff averages are, but the Bucks, you know, in the regular season, the Bucks Middleton was 41.4 from three, Holiday 39.2 yeah. from three. Okay, so you think that's great. Um, Portis, 47-1 from three. <laughs> Bryn Forbes, 45-2 from three. P.J. Tucker, 39-4 from three. And Pat Connaughton, 37-1, which is kind of now like the league average. But um, that's, that's... Those are your shooters. That's six guys, you know, who are all in your top nine in your rotation. And then the two guys that are outside of that, Giannis... 30.3% from three and shooting way too many. And, <laughs> and Brooke Lopez of all people, the, the, the designated spot up three point shooter, only 33, eight this year in the regular season. I don't know what he is in the playoffs. Well, here I, I have it here. Cause I think that's the, the, the weird juxtaposition is, Oh my gosh, how much those numbers have all dropped. Yeah. We got Giannis in the playoffs, 18%. Yeah. Drew holiday, 29 and a half percent. PJ Tucker, 32%. Bobby Portis, 33%. Middleton, 33%. Lopez, 34%. Connaughton, 34%. I mean, the the best is Forbes, so, 37%. And, and he's been awful. I mean, he, he's yeah, been yeah, awful. He, he, I, I, I mean, oh my God. 
Britt, I, how about the how bad the Bucks bench was yesterday? The yeah. players who got in the game. Yeah. I, I like I don't even remember Jeff in a Teague. regular season game. <laughs> These are the four guys who came off the bench for the Bucks yesterday. Pat Connaughton, okay, that's yeah. a bench player. The best of the, the bench net. last night. The best of the bench right. by far, because right. the other three are Thanasis Atenekumpo, yeah. who is like the basketball. The nepotism hire. Yeah, he's like an O lineman or D lineman. Right. I, yeah, I don't right. know. Like he he's right. like he he I don't know. He gets a steal. And it reminds me of like a D lineman, like recovering a fumble and right, trying to like, right. he's like, oh, I got to hand it off to this D back because I don't know how to move with the ball. Bryn Forbes, who looks like a ninth grader playing varsity for the first time. Yeah, I, I, mean, don't, I don't know what happened God. to him. Right. He was so good in the regular season. And then as uh, Timberwolves effectively, Timberwolves fans effectively remember him. Jeff F and Teague is the right is the the, the fourth who came guy in and head. like uh, immediately did a like a pick pick two turnover, uh, you know. Oh uh, Cam Reddish jumped the lane on him and and then he went and his next shot back down the floor was blocked into his face. And he kind of made a good move, but then he goes right into Brook or not Brook Lopez, that's his teammate Capella. And, right, right. It's just uh, the whole thing is uh, Jeff Teague will not be in the league next year. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair, but I also part of me is is like, okay, what are you doing, John Horst, Bucks GM? Like, how do you not have, how do you not have a bench guy? Like, well, why no, didn't they wait. get a vet guy? Well, why, I mean, why is there no Richard Jefferson on this team or something like that? Yeah, although Divincenzo's injury I think really hurt depth. Yeah, but Britt, they have they also had more bench they had. Five more bench players who didn't play. Diakite, Justin Jackson, Sam Merrill, Jordan Nwora, and Axel Tupain. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, what I are think you doing with that, those That's guys? a small market franchise overpaying for their big three, their big four, and not wanting to go over the Lux tax. I don't know if they are over the Lux tax. You can't. I mean, I don't know. You can't but I get know a that veteran they're... minimum guy. Jeff Teague is your one veteran minimum guy. I know. Because he's got a bud tie. I, I don't know. I, it's... Well, it would help this team a lot, and in the finals, it would help them a lot if they had a. We were talking about this in the last pot. How much a Batum or Reggie Jackson exactly was the Clippers did it right. Players. But part of that is, I mean, in, in L.A. Well, Kawhi and George in L.A. I mean, I do think you need to have guys who draw you in. Um, and Milwaukee, unfortunately, is a bad market for players like Minnesota is a bad market, like Memphis is a bad market. I mean, I think players like to be in a metropolis that uh, thrives. Um, I wonder how much of it is Giannis. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, Giannis is so unique that um, you cannot run a great ball movement scheme with Giannis as your superstar. Because he's not a ball movement guy. He's not somebody who dishes well off the dribble. And he is not somebody, let's face it, when Giannis is at his best, he is uh, speed zooming through a flanks of players to put the ball in the basket. Whether it's in transition or whether it's uh, at the top of the key, just taking it off the dribble. I mean, that's when Giannis is at his best. That's when you go, nobody can stop this guy. I mean, that... Which, which was this series. <laughs> well, I mean, can you... Do you remember that play? Uh, 
where it looked like he was going to do a finger roll. He was in midair. He looked like yeah. he was going to do a finger roll. And then at the last oh, minute, it, yeah. the last minute decided to dunk it. I have never seen that play before in my life. I, I have. Somebody can was, have a ball on a platter and suddenly turn around and decide to throw it through the net. I've seen it before, but it was on like a seven foot Nerf hoop. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Right? Exactly. Like it, it's, it's, it. He it was is. halfway through a finger roll and then decided, oh, wait a minute. Poof. And just flushed it. And just being able to control the ball in that situation, how big your hands. Yeah. But so as a result, you let somebody like that do what they want. And that does yeah. hinder the idea of having guys who like, you know, a flow. Chris Paul would not be nearly as effective with Giannis um, just because, you know, alley-oops fine, you know, but look at how much alley-oops got better with Giannis out, you know, yeah. Brooke Lopez was, was, I mean, Drew Holiday had space to work. Brooke Lopez had space to work. You have to clear space for Giannis because you don't know where he's going and you don't want to clog things. And so, in that respect, um, you know, which is all to say, I don't want to say that Giannis is a net bad because Giannis no, of course not, deserves yeah. what he gets. But what he gets, he eats space in the half court. You get out of his way and you hope that you get the ball and you want to punch him in the mouth when he shoots those rainbow clanking threes Um for no reason at all, other than that perhaps he's tired or perhaps he wants to prove his critics wrong or something. But, um, well, it's part of the reason, Britt, where, like, I mean, I, I don't, I definitely don't like, and this has been a conversation we've had too much with the Timberwolves, is just this, like, big guys or the idea of big building through a center. I mean, I'm, it's clearly not impossible. Right. Uh, the, you know, the Bucks are probably going to get to the finals. I think that the Sixers are a really good team if they can adjust some things around and bead. And but Jokic, man, obviously. Yeah, but it's just tough. Yeah. It's just right. there is an added degree of difficulty in 2021 when your best player is a big. Right. I, I just unless it, he's seven just, feet like Kevin Durant is seven feet. Well well and and can play like a guard. Right. Well that's what I mean. It's like yeah. uh that 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 is coming. I mean, I really do think the era of the uh, seven-footers not being on the perimeter, whether it's a two or a three or maybe even a one, there are guys now, I'm sure, certainly internationally. Have you watched, have you watched any Evan Mobley tape? No. Is he like that? I don't love him, but uh -huh. a lot of people do. He's, I mean, he's like seven-foot, seven-five wingspan, like skinny. And can go out like, and do that stuff? Yeah. Uh -huh. While See, also defending the rim like Gobert on the other end. Exactly. And so I, I shouldn't say I don't like him. It's just yeah. it's it's this idea. It he he represents this idea that you're talking about. That right. It's like, oh my gosh, if this comes together, we and got we, it. And why wouldn't you try to water that if you were like a JC coach or uh you know AAU right. or whatever? Hey, you know, we're going to build the new prototype, you know? Right. And I think that inevitably that's going to happen because people are bigger and everybody loves to shoot the three, regardless of whether man. they can shoot it or not, you know? Bull, bull, man. Right? Like, it, I feel like bull, bull is the perfect encapsulation of what you're talking about. The bull, bull phenomena. Uh, we know it well. Whatever happened bowl. to bull, bull?
Did he ever go to any G League or D League, or has he been with a parent team the entire time? He's a Denver man. I know. I mean, he used to be the Victory Cigar for a while, but I don't remember that happening. They don't have a G League team. Oh, I see. Well, that's too bad. I mean, but Bull Bull, one of those guys that showed flashes. It was kind of like, who's the guy for same age range, the guy from uh, uh, Orlando who got drafted like – Oh, Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. I love the names. I mean, Bull Bull and Mo Bamba, you know. Let's to get let together, a, you know, it sounds like a uh, a conga line band at a wedding, you know. So, you know, I don't know. It's just those it's guys. man. It's interesting. Those guys days. don't have enough talent. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing about Bamba and Bull is that uh, they just don't have the silk in between the, the, the gear shifts of talent. You need something that enables you to be complete in that respect. Uh, you need oil in the joints. And and also, by the way, a really good IQ of how to play basketball so that those gifts that you have, you know, if Giannis was smarter in terms of the way he approached the game, he'd be even better than he is now. I mean, just lose. Everybody is telling him lose the three, but it just – and every now and then he decides, all right, tonight's the way I'm going to play right tonight. And yeah. lo and behold, the Bucks win, you know. When was the last time Giannis just went off and they lost? I don't remember yeah. it, you know. And I'm sure it's out there. It, I mean, it goes back to the whole Bud thing. You would like you would like the coach to be able to have a little bit more influence. Well, in, what's in interesting sort of about way. Bud, I mean, you look at Bud. I mean, he's a uh, uh, end of quarter interviews and post games with Bud are just it just feels like, uh, you know, like a, a John Candy thing in the old SCTV sketches or something. And these guys who are just uh, deliberately making themselves out to be some kind of stooge, you know, just by the way he talks. He talks in a monotone and says cliches that are about basic basketball as much as possible and seems to try to never portray betray that he knows anything about the workings of the modern game, which of course he does, but it's still, he feels like milk toast. And when you have stars, you have to deal with, you know, he's that, that's the, the pop coaching tree, man. Yeah. Well, and that's true. Uh, but the pop coaching tree has some really good people on it too. I mean, not that, and but I meant that in the sense that the pop coaching tree doesn't, give two shits about the media yeah, and, that's and true. all those things that on the other which, hand pop is like a media superstar <laughs> yeah well he, precisely for the reason he doesn't give a shit about it i guess <laughs> I, yeah, but back to back to the the thing let's let's say buck sons let's say that's what it is wait hold on real quick let's take a okay. quick break and okay. then let's get to buck sons right. i want to talk i want to talk to you about chris paul The NBA playoffs are here, and this summer's betting action is heating up with my friends over at BetUS. And with the UFC, MLB, golf, Summer Olympics, and football season all just right around the corner, you need a sports book with great payouts. BetUS has the industry's biggest bonuses, every kind of bet type you could dream of. BetUS has been a pioneer in the online betting world for over 25 years and prides itself on being America's favorite sports book. So take advantage of this summer and sign up today at BetUS.com. That's BetUS.com or 1-800-69-BETUS and receive 125% sign-up bonuses when you use the promo code DANE125. 
If you missed tip-off and forgot to bet, that's not a problem either. At BetUS, you can bet live all the way up to the final buzzer. And if you think it's too early to bet on the NFL, that's not true. Week one lines are already live for you to bet on at BetUS. You want some blackjack, you can bet there too. They have hundreds of games in their BetUS casino. I bet at BetUS and so should you. Join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. We make USAA insurance for veterans like Liz and Mike. When they got a bigger car for their soon-to-be-bigger family, USAA helped them get covered and find savings. That was the easy part. USAA, which you're made of, we're made for. All right, Britt, so let's say Bucks Suns. Okay. I think the favorite in that series will be the Suns. Um, I mean, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Giannis. Right. Uh, in, you know, full health, uh, or Giannis full health, I guess DiVincenzo still wouldn't play. Right. We're probably in a kind of coin toss-ish. I agree. I, I, I think Vegas will see that as pretty equal. I would not know how to pick that series. I mean, I think the Bucks and the Suns, oh, first of all, pretending you know anything about what's going to happen in the NBA playoffs this year is kind of a <laughs> fool's errand, isn't it? It's anybody, you know, I said off the top of my head, I have no idea what's going to happen off the top of my head. And then I had three series that were in like game six or seven, and I called all of them right. I have not been right about almost anything. And it was just one of those things where I just looked at it one morning, you know, and I said, as of Tuesday morning, I have no idea, but this is what I think. And it all happened. Four or five other points during this playoffs, I could have done the same thing with four or five predictions have been all wrong. I mean, it really is a crapshoot. Nobody really knows. I mean, the idea that, you know, you know what's going to happen in this oh God, for just for these play just for these three teams that are left right now, I mean, I would have picked up each to lose multiple series at this point already. Right, I mean, right. Atlanta I, I had Atlanta over New York. I did too. But but I had Atlanta but that was for it, sure, of losing course. to Philly. Yeah. Yeah. And then and Milwaukee I had for sure losing to Brooklyn. I did too. I had Phoenix I had Phoenix for sure losing to What LA. would have been yeah, what would have been the Clippers, right. We both had the Nuggets or we both had the Suns pretty confidently over the Nuggets though. Yeah, well, I mean, again, but that's without Murray. I don't know how I would have chosen that otherwise. Um, what I will say, what has not changed, is the Phoenix Suns is my favorite team to watch. Mm -hmm. They are, on that, yeah. They are so much fun. Um, behind the Grizzlies, behind the Grizzlies. Well, <laughs> yeah, good teams. I mean, not that the Grizzlies... Oh. Well, I mean, the Grizzlies are not there yet. Let's face it. Uh, <laughs> you know, they have a long way to go. Uh, they got schooled pretty thoroughly in that first round. The Grizzlies. Can't we can't we can't do NBA talk without the Grizzlies? <laughs> you you brought it up, man. I did. I did. What what you what you've been saying since I mean, man, halfway through the season, I think the first time we made a MVP list. Oh yeah, Chris Paul was yeah. Which kind of I don't know if I like verbalized it to you or just thought it silently to myself. I was like, all right, that's kind of dumb, Britt. Like, all right. <laughs> Chris Paul, Chris Paul's playing well, but like MVP, you know, it's just I, I've probably just been brainwashed so much to think of an MVP, MVP, recently as just this a different type of dominance, right? The yeah, but the dominance and value were different. We just got yeah. talking about how Giannis totally. is, is tough to to pair with, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Chris Paul, what DeAndre? 
Aiden would take a bullet for Chris Paul. I mean, the, the <laughs> amount of affection he has for that guy. And we, you know, we see obviously one scintilla of that type of dynamic when a, 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 a good, smart player comes into the Timberwolves organization and somebody like Josh Okoge pledges fealty just because people crave mentors in the locker room. They crave it. You know, that's why Taj Gibson was so important to the Knicks this year and was so important the one year they went to the playoffs with the Wolves. Um, Mm -hmm. Guys like that are more valuable than their numbers. And Chris Paul gives you the numbers and a historic court ID also gives you mentorship that right now is the best mentorship in the NBA. I mean, bar none. He proved it with uh, OKC, and he proved it with the Suns. And it is a, a stain, I will repeat this again, on James Harden, that Chris Paul, his magic was reduced in Houston to appease James Harden's ego. That's too bad. And that's on James Harden. Who do you think will end their career with more rings? Harden or Chris Paul? I know that's a kind of a stupid like first take question, but. I think they'll be tied one apiece. One apiece, yeah. Because you know I'm picking Brooklyn next year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a bad pick, partly because they're hungry, partly because they will try to supplement. I mean, it'll be interesting mm. to see what whether they what they get for Dinwiddie or how they use Dinwiddie, because that's mm. a really interesting piece in that mix now. Um, right. You know, and I would go get. Uh, a better Blake Griffin somehow, you know, uh, somebody who can really protect the rim and also be a little bit of a, uh, an enforcer. I mean, Bobby Portis on that Brooklyn team, the Bobby Portis we've been seeing all year for the Bucks, and particularly like last night, how amazing would he be on, on that Brooklyn Nets team? Somebody who could step out and hit a three jostle a few people, or, you know, you, you can every, almost every team, but the Nets has one, you know, I mean, Jay Crowder, um, mm-hmm. you know, guys, uh, Mark, but Mark. back to, back to my point about okay. like getting those minimum contract guys, Yeah, like that Brooklyn team, I have no concerns that they will be able to convert that. And that's like, I'd get, but they got to get the right ones. And Sean Marks is smart. I mean, so I don't, I don't have any doubt that he'll probably find people, but KD and Kyrie particularly like casts a wider net of guys wanting to come play with them I than Giannis. That's what I was talking about with Giannis. Right, right. You kind of went into the style of play of it. No, but no, I agree. It, it, you know what I mean? It's yep. friendships or playing for Team USA or whatever it might be. It seems that, you know, KD and Kyrie particularly really attract guys who, who want to, you know, who want to play with them. And that when you're up at this level and your team's capped out, taxed out, whatever, it's like, that's all you got. You got two well, million the, bucks. They're, the cool, they're also the cool kids in school. You know, they're sure. also the people who like flash on social media, get mm. noticed by whatever they do, whenever they do it, have won Olympic gold, have won rings, have done. They are accomplished veterans and they still have something to prove, obviously, because they've not always been like the alpha guy winning the ring. Some mm. would argue, you know, I mean, if you win, Finals MVP twice, you're kind of the alpha guy, but even then there was the ghost right. of Steph. But I do think that there really is this sense that um, if you're riding with KD and Kyrie, um, first of all, it's not on you if the team loses. 
Joe Harris notwithstanding. <laughs> and secondly, you are going to be in the public eye right. as somebody, you know. Well, you're going to play 35 national television games. You're going to be in the playoffs. You're going to. Exactly. I mean, you can have a Blake Griffin type. Right. Resurgence. Resurgence. Right. The, Chris Paul, eight for the playoffs, 33 minutes a game, 18 points, four rebounds, nine assists, 41% from three, 49% from two. Again, not MVP type. Very good numbers, and but if, not that. If you kick out game six, those numbers plummet too. I mean, he had 41 That's points. True. That's true. That's true. But it's been, it has been, uh, I think it was 14 games he's played because he missed two, yeah. something like that. But, you know, the the thing with him, and you were saying, if, I don't know what your exact words were, were but just the, the likelihood of, of winning increases with him. And it just reminds me of like, I'm sure a bunch of people like listen to this have their, their crew of like eight, 10 guys they play, you know, pick up with at the Y all the time. And everyone's about like, equal values of right. good, right? But then there's that one dude who wins like 75% of the games. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, Even though I haven't and, played in like 20 years. <laughs> but the but it's Chris Paul's that, you know? And right. I I I, re- I remember, you know, in college and stuff like that playing it was like, all right, nobody's like that much better than anyone else is. Right. Right. This dude I used to play with in college, played at that school I went to, uh Seth. It was just like he won he won 85% of the games. He just did. If he was playing you know, and and that is it. We've we've gone so far with analytics in the NBA, and we've gone so far in being able to quantify so many things. And one of the coolest things to me about Chris Paul is that so much of him is not quantifiable, and yet you know you can see it happening. You can see him snatching the ball from the ref. I just was reading Zach Lowe's column on Paul today, and. He just notices these situations where, you know, remember with like Nas Reed all the time or Ricky when they would fall under the basket. Yeah. Well, if Chris Paul sees that happen, all he's snatching the, the ball out of the yeah. net and it's bang, bang, and Cam Johnson shooting a wide open three. Right. You know, and that adds up. It right. does. We're playing, we're playing games to a hundred and you know, or maybe a hundred fifteen now. Right. Um, but you do that, and you, you make up like four or five points in the course of a game doing that and and your odds of winning burst and it's 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 just I just love that Chris Paul is like a proof to that now right in Oklahoma City last season I love that team yeah because I love that shit right and 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 Phoenix this year too particularly in these playoffs he just I, I don't know I mean you've been following the league a lot longer than I have closely but I don't remember many other players who, whatever that is, whatever right. the name of what we're trying well, to describe. Well, LeBron does it. You're right. You're right. I mean, LeBron right. notices and 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 pounces on mm-hmm. other teams' weaknesses. You know, even fleeting weaknesses. The right. other the other thing I really like about Chris Paul, it's like a storehouse. He has a storehouse of talent that comes out only when. It's absolutely necessary. And most of the time it's scoring. But um, if the team is not shooting well, or if the team is getting, if the opponent is getting a run, people don't think about Chris Paul as somebody who can almost automatically get a bucket. But he can. 
he could his handle is so good and his stop and go dribbles and unlike almost any other player in the NBA with the exception of Kawhi he isn't looking to go to the rim he's looking to get to 12 to 15 feet from the elbow and if he gets there it's a bucket and so yeah because it's like a 60 percent shot those are run stoppers. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times does Chris Paul come down when another team's like on an 8-2 run and a 14-point lead is suddenly within single digits and Chris Paul is down there, boom, you know, there it is. Or Chris Paul used to be just like a phenomenal defender. Now he's good, but never really great unless the team is reeling. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, Chris Paul is filling a, a, a lane for a steal or drawing a charge or doing something weird on defense, a, a, a unre- an unreasonable double team that works. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a smart dude that has a storehouse of knowledge and talent that is only necessary at certain times. And it would not be as effective if he used them all the time, because he likes to get his teammates involved, number one, and he likes his opponents to forget that he has those talents. And so as a result, he's one of those guys that ambushes you with his storehouse at the right times. And it's so much fun to watch. To the teammate point with Chris Paul, this stat I think is incredible. DeAndre Ayton, has ran more pick and rolls in the playoffs than any other player as the role man. And he is number one of all players who have ran even 10 pick and rolls in efficiency. DeAndre Ayton is 1.593 points per position in the playoffs. I mean, we just in got through talking about the bucks. I was going to say one of the reasons all the bucks shootings is down because it's the playoffs. That's what happens. The rim gets small, but get this. I was like, all right, DeAndre Ayton's having a good playoffs, you know, and, and they're, they're feeding it to him. Right. I get why DeAndre Ayton is number one in efficiency. But DeAndre Ayton, during the regular season, as a pick-and-roll roll man, of the 27 bigs who have run 125 pick-and-rolls, also number one in efficiency in pick-and-rolls this season. Another reason I, why he just loves Chris Paul. <laughs> exactly, man, right? Like I'm surprised he didn't just like clean Pat Bev out on that push. Man, could somebody... Like, could somebody just knock it? I mean, I know it would have been a whole fight and then people are getting suspended and all that, but I I was kind of shocked because there was a couple dudes, not that, like, Tory Craig was pretty close. Right. I, I, if. I think people were legitimately shocked. I mean, they yeah. shocked into, like, stuff. But what's amazing to me is I get it. It's Pat Bev, and he's a crazy guy. And I actually really <laughs> like the way he plays, but – there's got to be like 10 games next year or something for that. Yeah, I guess I hadn't even really thought about that. I mean, you know, like Chris Paul's shoulders and neck, you know, it's a whiplash injury. Right. You know, it could have very easily gone really bad. Right. And if it had, then they might have, you know, thrown the book at him. But as it is now, what, he gets thrown out for one game? I mean, <laughs> for the last yeah. 20 seconds? Oh, okay, well, there you go. Maybe he'll get fine, like, Two hundred thousand dollars or something—big deal, you know? Right. Oh, well, I mean, I just think that kind of shit. If the league, you know, they talk about all these flagrants, you know, when somebody is just walking, and the next thing you know, somebody is, you know, really pushing them pretty hard in the back and snapping their neck back. You know, that's 
that's bad stuff that that needs to be made an example of i i for the record i'm pro fighting in <laughs> in the nba but like face to face like square up and you right. know get in somebody's face the like, problem I, I with know. that though you know six nine like, two forty somebody hits yeah, you not fighting but like you know what i mean like yeah. getting into it i I, I think i think there's a I think there's a place for that in right. similar ways. Right. Maybe not to the extent that there's a place for it in hockey, but uh, right. Yeah. I, I mean, you I got to put them on ice skates, cover them in pads and a helmet. And then even <laughs> then it's like, you know, somebody's grabbing the Jersey with one hand and trying to stay upright while they whip with the other hand. Sons and four guy. Right. Did you ever see that video? Yeah. <laughs> so great. <laughs> so great. Well, what's great is that the sons and four came afterwards. You know, I know that was game, <laughs> that was beginning of game three. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was so fun. I was actually in Denver that when that was happening, and just everybody there was. Oh my god, it was it was it was it was so funny. Yeah, well, don't, we don't we don't want fights in the fans because that eventually will bring fights down, and you know we'll have another our test malice in the right, palace right. situation. Maybe I maybe I went a little bit too. And far it is. I mean, one thing I am terrified of. I will say this. I am terrified that enough of those incidents happen where we don't get our, our good seats. <laughs> I mean, I really do not want to go away from the court. I love watching basketball up close. And Think about how close that uh, when Jokic like punched campaign in the face right. for where our seats are at Target Center. Exactly. That, we would have been five feet away from that. Exactly. That and that's what I mean. I cherish it. It would have been awesome. You know, when I was when I was like the only guy that wasn't, a beat guy or a radio guy or whatever covering the team. And they really didn't know where to put me. I got put up like where McHale and Khan and probably Rosas, mm. you know, one thing sit is like center court about halfway up. Um, mm -hmm. It was just absolutely perfect seats to the point where, where we sit now felt like a drawback. They did move us. I think it was before your time. We were right underneath the basket for a while. And then they moved us to the angle. But no, nothing was better than the seats I had um, for like the first four years after they moved into Target Center. And then for a couple of years, I was right on the baseline, which is cool in terms of hearing all the chatter. You know, I was at the table and right. uh, but it's not a great way to watch the game. It's too close. You know, if you're into tactile stuff, if you're into watching people get hit and hearing the basketball get slapped and stuff. It's great. But in terms of X's and O's, it's it's not a good seat. It was, I mean, and you didn't come to the games until you were vaccinated. Yeah, I didn't like that seat. But but where my I'm talking about before you started coming, before they put us up in that suite together, they had they had me at half court at that spot you're talking about, the McHale seats. Those, those are great, aren't they? And it was silent in there. So, so you I could hear both. you had the best. I could hear oh, everything. Oh, yeah. I could hear yeah, everything. You got spoiled, and, right. Yeah. Was, except for the mask. <laughs> except except for the mask. Right. But it's just just me and Jace, just the only two, the only two people in Target Center for seemingly a year. The one Suns player we haven't talked about is Devin Booker. Yeah. And um, you know, I I think Chris Paul is rightfully getting a ton of credit for right. elevating this team, and I think certainly that. Aiton stat as proof shows that he's he's doing that. Right. But uh but Devin Booker was already here. Yeah, you know, he was already he was at or very close to this level um 
I mean, we saw it in the bubble, right? Right. And uh, his his numbers don't pop as much in terms of like shooting percentage and stuff. But Devin Booker has been he's been that KD for them. Like, we right. need a bucket at this time. We need you to go. Like, we need you to stop the game. We're not our offense is because the Suns' offense has stalled right. numerous times right. throughout this playoffs. And, 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 and that, the games they've lost, it's because Booker hasn't been able to do it. Chris Paul's storehouse is one way to do that. And then the other way to do that, their favorite set, mm-hmm. and it works whether Paul is in the lineup or not, is that dribble handoff off the curl at the foul line for Booker. He either hits Cam Johnson in the corner so for a three, or it, sometimes it's Jay Crowder. I prefer Cam Johnson. Goes for his own floater pulls up for his own jumper or um, goes all the way to the rim. I mean, there's like six really good options because there's also a weak, weak side guy over there who almost never gets used because everything else is so obvious. But um, man, isn't it crazy that like the thing that we pointed to as the weak spot for the Suns all season and go and going into the playoffs was that, that four position. And yet, what do you say? Cam Johnson there, Jay Crowder, right. Mikael Bridges. They're just, they're not using a four traditionally. They need no. their four to be able to hit that shot. It's a classic, guard. it's a classic uh, stretch four, you know, alignment. Stretch Although, four who's a three and D also and right. can lock up on the other end. Right. Yeah. Uh, and also stretch fours initially, a lot of it was above the break guys who, who spaced the floor even more. A corner right. three stretch four, you know, there were those two, but, um, it really, there's something to be said. All the game's bruisers now have got to be getting up 500 corner threes every practice, you know, <laughs> because it is, if you want to be valuable as a guy who otherwise can't shoot, PJ Tucker figured it out, you know, a long time ago. Uh, Crowder has it now. In fact, you know, I just ripped Bud for being, you know, antiquated now. It was Bud who, like, Al Horford, Paul Millsap. He was the guy who made guys. Harold Antich. That was the guy I was trying to think of on that team. I couldn't think of it when we were talking about the. Yes, that's who it was. Came back to me. But so anyway, Bud is the guy who really made that flower. You know, the idea of a of, of forward center killing mm-hmm. you from outside and opening up the floor. I mean, back in the days when you had to worry about Kyle Korver and Jeff Teague, of all people, um, you know, all of a sudden, and Josh Smith, I mean, it was, he, it wasn't five out because uh, you, you did do a lot of diving and driving and kicking, but it was uh, a really great system that Bud put together. And here again, Giannis isn't quite the guy to mm-hmm. slot in there, except that he's the guy to slot in anytime if it's Giannis. It's yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a little more complicated, and it's cool when when coaches can just adjust what their what their style is. And I think, to Bud's credit, he's done that some. And I think Monty Williams has really Monty done Williams, that man, and Ty Lu, Ty Lu had a playoffs, man. He was so good. The idea that you know nobody would have said anything if they just went away after uh, Kawhi went down. Nobody would have said anything. He's uh, just the dude. He's the dude when you're playing poker who always has it when he has to show and never has it when he doesn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And, right. Still, and still wins the pot. Like, 
Yeah, Ty, uh, Ty Lue was Ty Lue was, I mean, all, I, all I these coaches have much been of exceptional. I didn't think that much of him coming into the playoffs. I, I denigrated him, and I was wrong. I mean, that dude, and mm-hmm. part of it was he was so much LeBron's Bobo in Cleveland, and I thought, you know, he's just he's just somebody LeBron likes. Um, it's funny that we gave, uh, I feel like Vogel got a lot of credit with LeBron's title in yeah. L.A., and and Lou didn't get a lot of credit for the title in Cleveland. Well, I think part of that was Vogel calmed LeBron down. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, LeBron was getting too much head coachy until Vogel came in. And also Vogel emphasized defense, which made total sense on that Laker roster last year. So oh, I, I give Vogel credit, uh, whereas Ty Lou basically just wasn't David Blatt, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, LeBron was just happy that Blatt was gone. So I don't know. Now, now in retrospect, I have to think, well, maybe not, Britt. Maybe, maybe Ty Lue had a little something to do with it, too, given how well he's coached you know, this wow. year in the postseason. Um, before we wrap this up uh, too much, I know you got to hit the road on this 4th of July weekend soon, but let's talk a little bit about the Hawks because uh, it's relevant if they manage to win two in a row and get in. And it's relevant in that we won't be talking about them if right. they're gone. Uh, you know, what do you, what, what do a you fun just team. give them? To, what a fun team. What do you give their, like, if, if, okay, so let's just say Trey does come back for yeah. six and seven and Giannis can't. Like, Woo. that's their chance at winning, right? Well, I mean, I think their chance of winning, they were two and two straight up. Yeah. You know, I mean, Giannis finishing the game four wasn't going to swing it in Milwaukee's direction. And it just so happened, you know, they beat a admittedly diseased Sixer team, but they beat a Sixers team. They beat a really well-coached Knicks team. Um, you know, yeah. they have about five guys who you don't want the ball in their hands. You know, I mean, Gallinari, Lou Williams, uh, Trey Young, um, even Collins to some extent, and who am I? Oh, and Bogdanovich. I mean, Herder. I mean, they got a huge complement of guys who could just fill it. Man, and Reddish. I like Reddish. I don't like Reddish, but you know, he's actually better than I thought he was going to be this series. He was. He was really good at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I think the thing I don't like about him is that he doesn't have great decision making, in my opinion. Oh, totally. But he's twenty-one. Oh, is he only that old? So he was, he was like 19 out of school. How old's, how old's Culver? 21? And he's yeah, a 20. year younger than Culver. Okay, 21, 22, yeah. Because he there. came out as a freshman. Culver came out as a sophomore. Okay, Again, okay. Four yeah. picks. Four picks after Culver. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if we're going to do Culver comps, we don't start with Cam Reddish. I mean, in terms well, of who they could have had. Oh, they could have had Cam Reddish instead of Jared Culver. I mean, I don't know. He might be. No. Who's the who are the who are the picks there right after him? It's I would take Brandon Clark over him in a second. Well, yeah, okay, but here's the it goes Culver six, Kobe White seven, Jackson Hayes eight, Rui Hachimura nine, uh, Cam Reddish ten. Yeah, and then I know I know none of those are great. Hero is later, but Hero's kind of star has fallen a little bit. I'm not a hero guy. Um, He he just you know he was a playoff sensation. I'm, I'm taking away from your from your Hawks, <laughs> talking about your Hawks. That's all right. And so anyway, 
Uh, Nate McMillan turns out to be, you know, the missing ingredient, a little old school in there. Um, and John Collins has improved so much. And right. I don't it's know how, be- how have they managed, though, to avoid their paint defense weakness in terms of just teams pounding them. Wasn't that I, so weird last night? Yeah. I mean, they got killed last night. And why hasn't that been happening all the time? I So I was thinking about it, and I'm just like, I think they weren't, just weren't expecting it. I think their whole game plan, their whole like thought process going into that was like, all Mid- right, Middleton contain, from outside, right. Contain Middleton on the outside, contain force Holiday to take jump shots. Right. You know, if we do that, we'll be all right. But, you know, to the Bucks' credit, they move the ball well. They always, I mean. And they got a 7-1 dude who really can play in the paint. What do you know? Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of those, I think Brooke had eight dunks. Yeah. I mean, what, seven of them were pretty uncontested, just like drop-offs going down the lane. And two or three were in traffic where guys were legitimately in position to try to stop him. But let's face it, if the ball goes up over the rim, somebody 7-1 is going to beat Clint Capella and John Collins. Well, and Okongwu was the guy they were basically relying on. Okongwu was the best interior defender on has been for like two games now. Well, he he actually might be their best interior defender because right. the Hawks' bigs I'm are not... are designed to defend pick and rolls. Right. Like that's what Capella's exactly great at. Exactly right? right. That's exactly that's a very good point. And and they're good at that, right? right. But but it is a different type of big who who can like kind of bruise you on the interior. Bobby well, Portis was bringing the bruising. Yeah. And also if you can run a big as the third option off a of pick and roll, that's when they get killed. Yeah. You know I mean? It's like, if you're running a pick and roll and you're defending those two guys and the guy out at the three point line, whether it's Portis or Brooke comes into the lane and you throw it up to him. Good night. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it, none of those guys are very tall. Right. That's also a big thing too. Right. Like Capella's like six nine. Right. Young was like six eight. Exactly. Six, nine. Exactly. And and Collins is maybe like six seven. Right. You know, like they just and they're, they're literally and they, not very big. And they are springy and they are sturdy, but at the end of the day, you can overwhelm them as it turns out. You know, which um again, I don't know. It's on the other hand, and I know and, Joel Embiid was hurt, I, you know, the whole nine yards, but how do you have Joel Embiid on your team and not do what they did with Brooke Lopez last night? Just destroy them. But those were post-ups for Embiid. That's different. Like That's what Lopez, I'm saying. Doc Lopez Rivers, wasn't just getting fed on the block. Like Doc Rivers blew that series in terms of the way Embiid was used. Or, you know, the, the narrative on Embiid is either he was a hero playing on one leg or... You know, he was um, playing into their hands by falling in love with, you know, his mid-range and three-pointers. I think, I mean, as an Embiid defender, I I just think so much of it was the personnel around him being able to pack in two bodies anytime, show two bodies on Embiid, kind of dig in anytime that he had a post-up. He had a 14-foot square up, those situations. I think, I think with different surrounding personnel in Philadelphia, if you don't have, you know, if he's out there and there's it's Thibel and Simmons and right. I mean not that, obviously Curry can shoot and Harris can shoot and like stuff like that, but 
the Sixers, I mean, it's the same thing as always with the Sixers. They just don't have the, they haven't had the right mix of personnel around Embiid. And I think, you know, you mentioned Giannis. Would you want to play with Joel Embiid? I mean, that dude, you know, he threw Simmons under the bus in a very blatant fashion. And he's always ripping on opponents. You know, when was the last time Joel Embiid was generous? When was the last time he basically turned out to be a guy? Hey, I want to spend a season in the locker room with this dude. Right. I don't see. You know, I mean, I love his game. Obviously, he's one of my. I picked the Sixers to go all, all the way if the Lakers did. So there you go. Right. But um, Joel Embiid is not a likable guy, from what I can see. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's hard for us to be able to tell from where. Right, I get where it. Where we sit. I, Put it this way: I don't, the Sixers really underachieved. The Sixers underachieve, for sure. Didn't it? Didn't it seem like to you? And again, this is us watching on TV. I mean, we, we right. wa- or I right. watched it beat in person once this year. Um, but he seemed so focused on. It, it was always very interesting to me watching watching him play. And he like would go to the bench and he'd go off of the little COVID seats and he'd sit so far away all by himself. Right. And, it seemed to be, it was a very focused year from Joel Embiid. He right. was, you know, he was, I'm going to dominate this year. And, and right. you know, to and his he credit, did. when he was on the floor, he did. But, but I think the greater point is here that dominance is not enough. If you want to, if you want to win it all, it is also about that leadership element. It's whatever we call it, that Chris Paul thing. It's the, it's the engagement of your teammates. It's all those sort of things. And maybe that's something, maybe that's something Embiid still needs to learn. And right? and Jokic had it for the record, you know. I That's mean, true. as much as uh, I prefer Embiid to Jokic, I mean, if you ask me who I'd rather have on my team, and I'm now totally contradicting everything I've said about. I Embiid, get what you're saying, though. But um, Jokic was legit this year, and if he had had, I'll tell you, if he had had both Aaron Gordon and Murray, mm. that would have been a fun team. I mean, that would have been a team that, you know, would have been right in the mix. Um, I, I thought it was kind of crazy going in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if it, I was reading this or listening to it, but both Zach Lowe and Seth Partnow, two people yeah, I know we both I respect really like, a lot. Yeah. They both said if Murray was healthy, this was like before the playoffs started, they said if Murray was healthy, they'd be my NBA Finals pick to win. Well, and, and I can see that. Um, well, now I can see it because. The, right, right. The. Well, and also the guy, the guy from Harwood Parks, um, Matt Moore. Yeah, Yeah, Matt Moore. He was also, I mean, he's, I think he's based in Denver, but he He was, he was a big, he was on the Nuggets bandwagon. Um, My, my dislike of Michael Porter Jr. may have, uh, (laughs) may have affected my feeling about Denver in that respect. And also, I do have to say that um, I'm surprised that people can't get Jokic in foul trouble as easily as it seems to me like they should be able to. And maybe he concedes more than I think, but he has managed to somehow not hurt the defense as much as he used to and stay out of foul trouble. Uh, And I just, I I think a lot of that's Mike Malone, man. Yeah. Mike Malone is a good coach. Pour one out for the Sacramento Kings, the stupid jerks. I mean, I still, that remains so classic. Whenever I think about Mark Malone, the first thing I think of is the Sacramento Kings had a good coach. 
How rare is that? And they fired him and said he wasn't playing fast enough. And meanwhile, this total man-child of a spoiled brat is finally on the page of the coach and likes the coach. I think this is oh, the exact way. God. I think this is the exact way other podcasts about the NBA talk about, talk the, about the Timberwolves. I'm sure they are, and and there are, and we do too. It's just that they're part of our. <laughs> it's part of our lexicon. I mean, you know, let's yeah, face right. it. You know, there are. Um, anyway, uh, the, the the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> so overachieved this year, right. uh, and Nate McMillan is going to be getting a three-year deal as soon as their season ends. And uh, I will repeat, I'm still on the Chris Dunn bandwagon. I know he's he can't shoot worth a lick, but Chris look very good. Chris Dunn and Hunter and those guys, they have the makings of a team that can get after it both ways uh, on offense and defense if they – if, and Nate McMillan will figure out a better defense. They will be, they will be contenders, legit contenders, along with the Nets um, and the Bucks uh, for Eastern Conference next year. I don't think this is a fluke. I don't know. I don't think this is a fluke year for them. I what I'm really curious to see because this is what always happens. Copycat league, right? Right. Um, not just in terms of style of play, but in roster construction. And teams go, they go, well. Look what the look what the Mavs did with Dirk in 2011, and right, they yeah. try and no, they, I know. they try and put that together to no avail. And like the, everyone's always looking for, all right, we don't have the KD and LeBron and whatever. How do we become the the 04 Pistons, the 2011 Mavs, the 2017 Raptors, was 2018 Raptors? Right. I that and I always wonder if that's a fool's errand. Yes, you know, if, it if is. it's if it's kind of fool's gold. And I think these playoffs are shaping up to give a lot of those little the ultimate champion will be talked about in the same vein as the those Pistons, Mavs, right. and Raptors will as a kind of out of nowhere, how do they do it sort of thing. And they're like, Well, can we just let's get that recipe and, you know, plug it into the Sacramento Kings, right? And I I still think ultimately the best way at the best strategy for building a team is to, to wait around to load yourself up with stars. Well, and what I would argue is you need both. You need a really good system that Mm -hmm. takes advantage of your second and third options, as well as your first option. You need depth and you need commitment. Um, and all of that is easier said than done. Each one of those things. I mean, depth. There are teams that have tried to load up on depth that their depth just sucks, you know. And then there are guys you don't, you know, who, where do they come from? I mean, remember how we used to love the San Antonio Spurs? The San Antonio Spurs have been trying to win with depth now for three or four years, and they don't have it, you know. Right. And so, you know, they've got a bunch of fourth options on that team. Um, and it doesn't work even as good as pop is, um, you know, I mean, DeMar DeRozan had a career year, you know, and, and Jacob Polo was actually really pretty good. I mean, they Mm -hmm. had a lot of things break, right. And they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, and so 
you you need there's a case where they need a, a signature star and they don't have it maybe they had everything else in place i don't know uh but the buy-in the commitment the depth and luck you know injuries breaking right or wrong different ways but what i will say about the hawks is um they had a star clint capella i mean to this day Daryl Morey, Houston was right to kick Daryl Morey to the curb. I mean, between the Capella deal and the Westbrook deal, my God, you know, I mean, you flamed out spectacularly, you know, I mean, it's like if evil Knievel, you know, burst into flames going over the last bus, you know, that was Daryl Morey. <laughs> so, you know, uh, there isn't ever going to be a set formula right and what i like that i like that what is interesting about that is there used to be and it wasn't it was before the super teams it was when kobe and Shaq. well not only that but i mean and again uh, my age will show here but for the longest time teams would have to earn it rung by rung on the ladder they get to the playoffs they get to the finals against a, a conference foe that they couldn't beat for a couple of years. Then they beat that conference foe. I mean, it happened with Detroit and the Celtics. It happened with, you know, it was the, like a coming of age. The Lakers and the Suns and the Jazz were in there. But you had to you had to grab the step, grab the step. And it was part of it was you didn't have as much top end movement among the stars. And part of it was that um it wasn't as dynamic. The three-point shot couldn't swing things as much as it swings things now. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, when I was looking at the Bucks, because uh, I was noticing all the great three-point shooters and what depth they had, you heard me read all the percentages. I thought, my God, you know, were they first or second in three-point percentages? They were fifth. <laughs> yeah, the Clippers were even better than that. They're and I think the Bucks were second. I mean, no, not the Bucks. Who was no. uh, who was the other team that the Clippers just played? Oh, the Suns must have been right up there. Hmm. But anyway, it's like 38, 39% as a team. Insane. It's, it's not a lean anymore. It's very good, but it, it'll get you maybe out just a little bit outside the top five. <laughs> I mean, that's nuts. It is. It, it, it's, it is really cool that there are different ways to go about it, which I think, you know, cultivates a better league. Much better it, league. It, it convinces more teams to go for it, fewer teams to tank and, and right, all those sort right. of things. And and I do think the league is going to be, whether it's right or wrong, they're going to be enticed by Atlanta's emergence here, Phoenix's emergence, those sort of things to be like, well, all right, like, let's go for it. Right. You know, it, it was we're not five, six, seven years removed from teams being like, oh, we think we're the seventh seed, but we're going to tank. Right. Like right. that, that was very, very much a thing. Right. And, and, you know, some credit to the lottery odds flattening. I don't totally love the plan, but you know, credit to that. Like we are at a place where teams are more willing to go for it. And I think they're going to be the whole, the whole saying of, you know, we're one sprained ankle away from being the favorite in, you know, in this series. And God, I mean, look at this, right. Even the, the Raptors obviously in when they won it and right. now this entire playoffs, it's like chipping a chair, like right. 
and and you know and, and see where you can go one of the common things except for the hawks is veteran leadership you know i mean it really does seem to matter in the playoffs the right veterans in place and uh um, well, that just goes to the buy-in and specifically buying that defense i think yeah that's true and to to wrap this up with a little wolves spin um the hell having uh, a creative front office in such a dynamic league where so many different things can happen, provided you can admit you were wrong or you can try, you know, you can pivot, you know, mm -hmm. if we keep Jared Culver around for another two years, um, then we know that, uh, you know, Rosas's ability to pivot may may you know we have to look and see how much ego can be tossed overboard for Rosas. right staying small in the front court rolling with D'Lo and rubio at point guard, like a lot of those things it's it's you're right it's you're totally right it's the ability to adjust or or if you don't adjust to be right about not adjusting exactly exactly yeah like they, I mean, they can go with D'Lo and rubio next year it's just gotta work you know <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know right. what I mean? I'm serious. No, I I'm know, serious. I know you're serious. Because they might, they, that so might happen. I will tell you, it will not work. I mean, not on the level we're talking about. You know, yeah. on the level we're talking about, they, they, they need to try to get to the playoffs. I, you know, the idea of D'Lo and Rubio in the same backcourt, first of all, <laughs> Ricky Rubio cannot be 1B on the court. He, at the very least... He's got a captain, a second unit. It's just who he is. I mean, it's, it, it robs him of everything. I mean, way back to the time when Tibbs was putting him in the corner so Andrew Wiggins yeah. could run the offense. It's just stupid. And the idea <laughs> of putting him next to D'Lo is stupid. Hey, you know, you know, I'm in that boat too. I'm I know, just I saying know. But, and I know that's you're what saying, it takes. And I will tell you, if he is right, then I will, as I always do when I'm wrong, at least I think I do, at least whenever I can figure out I'm wrong. Sometimes I can't figure out I'm wrong. Uh, and then I'm wrong because I'm not figuring out I'm wrong. But it won't happen, in my opinion. And so, you know, we can kiss that dream goodbye. If Ricky Rubio's on the team this coming year, it's because they've traded D'Angelo Russell and he's the default point guard and has been surrounded with better personnel because you, you know, punted D'Lo for a Ben mm -hmm. Simmons or somebody. Or it's to be Ant's caddy, to be, you know, the guy who continues to keep the... the See, I think that's likely. I think you bring, keep him around to be Ant's caddy and deal with the carnage of the D'Lo Rubio. Okay, and what I will likely. say is I think that will not hurt the team, but will not boost the team as yeah. much as what you could get. Well, and my God, it can't be a minus 20 negative rate that rating again I mean, it's almost impossible yeah i mean it's but the greater historically point, bad two-man pairing the greater right. point is gerson rosas and chris finch despite everything and i've ripped the hell out of rosas last year quite a bit i think i still have faith that he can be a good pobo and i think mm -hmm. chris finch chris finch and anthony edwards in some order are the top two reasons why you should be optimistic about the Wolves this coming season, in my view, because that's the place where you didn't have last year what you will have this year from the beginning. 
I mean, Ant last year was a rookie trying to figure things out without a summer league, without a training camp, whatever. And quite frankly, was pretty bad on both sides of the ball until the all-star break. Um, now he's learning the league and figuring out what his talent is. And I give him credit. He's right when he talks about, I'll go in the gym and prove you wrong. His three-point mechanics and his accuracy got much better over the course of mm-hmm. the season. So he has shown a willingness to improve, and his experience in the league will help him do that. Chris Finch will uh, synergize that because he's a really smart guy. And I'm going to buy at the moment Finch's lip service or something greater when it comes to his claim that he can be a defensive guy too and that he will want a good defense. If that can happen, if he can figure out a good defense and Rosas can remain nimble in terms of figuring out how to uh, assemble things in this dynamic NBA in a manner that works, depth, you know, he, Rosas has already proven to be somebody who can turn flax into gold a little bit when it comes to depth. Um, if we can figure it out stylistically and we can get buy-ins from the top personnel, then the Wolves could be one of those sneaky teams that makes the playoffs. Goes to the finals next year. <laughs> well, yeah, that would be, uh, yeah. Uh, Man, would we sound stupid. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, we wouldn't sound hey, stupid. Hey, we would love it. And we would love it. It would yeah, be such yeah. a fun team. And also, I, I got to say, yeah, that's what people don't realize is that um, you don't sound stupid if you don't expect the Wolves to go very far <laughs> next year. Let's face it. I mean, you, you can have people who have been saying, You've been racking off the wolves all this time. And they've been saying that to me for 15 years. And for 14 of those years, they've been wrong and I've been right. So <laughs> if they want to uh, go to the finals next year and push it in my face, I'll say, by all means, you know, I was there in 03, 04. And let me tell you, if I'm going to be wrong, it is a wonderful circumstance to be wrong. in. Damn right. All right. He's Britt Robson. Um, I'm Dane Moore. Britt, uh, you're going away for the weekend. I'm going away for the weekend. Maybe we'll chat late next week again. I think, well, that maybe will be a game into the finals or something. We'll yeah. know who's in the finals at, at that point. And right. Then it keeps rolling, man. It's going to be nuts. It's Yeah, uh, then all of a sudden, it, boom, boom, boom. Well, the draft, you know, who knows? We may get into the draft as a Wolves, right? I mean, it, I'd, be, I'd be pretty shocked if they don't leave draft night with a, with a player. So, oh, and you know what? Next weekend is that uh, – is that camp at uh at oh you mean Mayo Wall and Nas and no no they're in Vegas it's uh for the rookie class it, it's for like the rookie class it's basically like another combine all 30 teams are going to be there at Target think, Center like, at Target Center in Mayo Clinic yeah so hopefully you know you and I can get in the door there too and just I don't know see, see some people yeah get, make you a draft guy you know it's gonna be <laughs> yeah well <laughs> be I wanted the Congo number one. So, uh, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> I was much better on Bain and Tillman, which Memphis was, Memphis was listening to me, man. You found all the, the guys from the same I phylum. Can, the, the, the junkyard dogs, man. I can spot them a mile away. The superstars, maybe not so much. That's why you got to start watching some Leandro Balmaro <laughs> tape, man. He's a junkyard dog. I know when you told me that, He's a little junky. I got all. I got. I got excited. All right, all right. You go to Iowa. I'm gonna go to Wisconsin, and I'll talk to you next week. Everybody, thank you for listening again. No podcast coming this weekend because I'll be out of town. 
But I will talk to you at the sometime in the beginning of next week. Britt and I will talk later this weekend. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.